listening to Thunder Radio, the podcast of the Manitoba First Nations Education Resource Centre. Welcome everyone. Thunder Radio has been on hiatus for a few months, but we are very happy to be back. The school year is well underway and we hope everyone is enjoying the fall season. So this episode of Thunder Radio focuses on an exciting and educational resource that we are working on here at Manitoba First Nations Education Resource Centre. It is the traditional First Nations community names map. And Andy Thomas and Val Bigotty, who are part of our research and development department, have been working a very long time on the project. They are very passionate about it, and on this episode, you will get to hear about the work they have done so far, and also how they will be adding to the project in the future. You will also hear about why historical projects like these are so important. So, I hope you enjoy. So, today we have Andy Thomas and Val Bigotty in the studio. They both work here at MF NERC in the Research and Development Department, and they are here to talk about a project that they've been working on for quite a while, Uh, but it's a very interesting and informative and wonderful project. It's the First Nations Traditional Names Community Map. I think I said that right. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll just have you both start by talking about what the project is. Okay. Uh, Thanks, Kim. Uh, One of the uh, projects that we've been working on uh, probably for the last three or four years is what we've called the traditional First Nations community names map. And uh, the whole objective of this project was to show people that who are fluent in their language that they've always referred to their homelands in their own language uh, before it was labeled um, an English name. And so what we had envisioned uh, was to create a map uh, visually and uh, the first phase, I guess, is what we call the printed version of the map. Uh, We've now uh, evolved into the uh, third phase. Um, So the the first phase was the printed version of the map uh, the second phase was what we've called the uh, interactive version of the map, where it was in a, a multimedia format uh, so that it was more of a visual. And we had um, interviewed people from the communities, which took a long time. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about later, I guess, of some of the obstacles that we faced. Uh, just to give you a general idea of what we're trying to do now with what we're calling phase three. And again, like just going back to the objective was just to show people uh, that there's five different uh, linguistic groups in Manitoba and we wanted to have that visually represented on a printed version of the map uh, to show that people again who are fluent in their language have always referred to their community, their homelands in their own language. Um, which is quite different from what, um, you know, what it's um, referred to, I guess, on what a traditional map, like a road map or something that's like an atlas map. And uh, this project was to create kind of like a First Nations traditional names map. And so uh, we did the printed version of the first map 
and it's like um, it, it's always ongoing. Um, sometimes, uh, you know, we don't always have the correct spelling of the name, so we've we've gone under I think four four revisions. We've got actually four editions of the map, and it'll probably still continue to be revised. And the uh, second phase was to interview people from the communities for them to come on camera to pronounce the name in the language. And uh, that took us a long time. Me and Val have been working on this project for quite a, quite a number of years, but we did complete it. And now we're going into phase three where we're trying to add on to the map of what we call the community histories project of the map. And uh, maybe I can ask Val if she wants to talk a little bit of, um, of the community histories a portion of what we're trying to do uh, with this phase of the map. Sure, Val. Thank you, Kim um, and Andy. I guess with the third phase, with the community histories, uh, we just go out, same thing, go out and visit the communities or um, and ask them, uh, we have a sample of questions that we ask if they don't already know because some people prefer to be interviewed like like uh, Do you know? Why you settled in this community like I just came from Pungasi so when I was there I asked them um, So do you know why Pungasi settled here? And then they had the story of they all is funny because they all pointed right well, we usually come from over here like I don't know where they're pointing, but they all pointed right. So I'm like, okay, and they just go on with their story. So ask them questions, and they they're more comfortable that way. And I think we interviewed so far with the community histories about we went maybe four different places, and it's it's a struggle because not too many people want to come and go on camera and talk about their community. They they feel that they don't know enough. And then the ones who know a whole lot about the community are not from there. So. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and yeah. we prefer to have people from the community, but there are a lot of, lot of. Uh, we do find at least one or a couple of from each community that just knows everything, absolutely everything, and they just have that love of history. So, uh, I'll just uh, talk about again Pungasi. So I was up there and. Uh, it was really great because uh, what Andy was talking about was the first, second, and third phase, and the second phase where we interviewed the interviewed the for the traditional name, Pungasi was the only community that we could not find anyone. So we had to uh, go ahead and proceed with the USB, like the interactive, ver uh, the USB version, like with all the maps, and we couldn't, we didn't have anyone on the USB of Pungasi, we just had the, what the traditional name meant. So I, well, both Andy and I decided like, we have to go up there to find somebody because it's pretty far community to get to. So uh, I went up there just last week and I've interviewed five people and there were, it was, it was so nice to be up there and they thanked me for going up there to interview them so they were very grateful and mm -hmm. I was happy to be there we should have done it a long time ago but we just it's hard to get there and like you have to fly out jump a helicopter and it was like it's very hard yeah. and <laughs> did you find someone to pronounce the name yes, yes. Um, because I knew that the struggle of getting to Pangasi so we 
So what I did was I got all five of them to say their name, where they're from, what Pangasi meant, so they all did that, and then we paused for a moment, and then they started talking about the community. So I was, um, and it's, interviewing is, I really enjoy interviewing all these members because as they're talking, like, you listen to them and then you just start asking them questions. So like, through all of them, I was asking them all different questions, and but there were other ones were sitting on the side listening, and then when the person was finished, they would come up and be like, I can't believe they didn't know that about the community because I, I know they know what you were asking because I was with them. I'm like, well, sometimes people just don't remember, like they, I said, but other people do. He goes, well, I'm going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really, it was really, it was really fun. Yeah, I really great. enjoy it. And you learned so much, like joining this project with Andy, it was, it, I've learned so much about the, like, all the different communities and you have to be very careful when you go to the communities as well like like w when I went to Pangasi I know it's a Ojibwe community but not everyone says they're Ojibwe they say they're Soto so I said I said so which language do you speak here in Pangasi and he goes we speak um, Soto but he goes some people say it's Ojibwe and I was like yeah I said I wanted to ask that but I said because some people say Soto and Ojibwe are not the same thing, but then other communities say, no, we're only Soto, we're only Ojibwe, but then some people say it's the same same language, so we learned so much out there. Yeah. So um, just a quick question about phase two, um, the speaking of the names, how many videos or people in total did you do for that part? We've, we, I'm, I'm not too sure about, I know for sure we have 64, well, 63, right, Andy? Um, but mm -hmm. now 64 the, with the one Pungasi, oh, but yes. we have to get that edited. But we tried to get at least four, for sure two to four, because everyone um, has different, like what Andy so was saying. different, yeah. Yeah, like some of them all have the same saying, but then like what Andy said, we'll be going to a different community and they were like, no, this is wrong. But then somebody else said it's, it's right. So we just always say, well, we were told, we don't know if it's correct or not, but this is what we're told. And so if five people come and tell us, no, this is wrong, it means this, then we'll change it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's, but most, for the most part, it's most people are, all have the same, same, uh, understanding same saying yeah same translation yeah and mm -hmm. they just have like different stories of how like they just have different stories of how they heard it so that's that's really good to yeah hear too so we get to hear everything and yeah. it's good to capture these because i know a few of the people that we interviewed um unfortunately like after we interviewed them they pass away so it's like we're really fortunate enough to get them when we did. And that's what a lot of the communities too, they always like, come over to our community. Our elders are, are not gonna be there for a forever. So we, we try, but like with our budget, we're, we have a limited budget, so we can't go everywhere. So we, yeah. we try the best we can and use our resources. Yeah, so. I'm sure budget is one challenge. Um, Andy, can you talk about some of the other challenges you have faced with the project? Sure. 
Uh, I just want to, before I forget, I, I want to talk a little bit more about what Val had mentioned about the history. Mm, sure, yep. I think it's really important, uh, as, you, as, as Val had indicated, that it was um, a real uh, educational experience for her to understand and appreciate like the history of the communities. And the real objective of this project is to preserve and promote that kind of history. Uh, I'm sure, I guess there's a saying that we're all products of our history. And what we really like to do with this project, again, is to try and take this kind of information and preserve and promote it through whatever format we've come, that we've developed so, so far, like the printed and uh, multimedia version. And we also have a vision through the research and development program is the creation of an archives. Um, and all of this information that Val was talking about with these different interviews is we'd like to archive that information so that information will be preserved for as long as we have an archives, which we would hope would be for a long time. And again, just getting back is uh, we want to talk about why we came up with this project in the first place was the preservation of history, First Nations history, to educate all Manitobans as well as all people who are not fluent in their language um, that these the community members have called their community uh, the traditional name, as Valad indicated, like Pongasi. Um, like I'm not fluent in the language, but I always want to know, I said, well, what does that mean, Pongasi? And through these interviews, well, we can say, well, at least I know a little bit more. Uh, this is what I've learned today. I now know a little bit of what Pongasi means. So what we see this project as being as an education project, like to educate people that these are what the names mean in the language. And I guess uh, from what I understand is when you deal or when we work with the language people who are people who are fluent in the language, that there's this concept of infusing the language into, um, I guess, the Western English language. So hopefully, like these kinds of names will then become part of the mainstream language and that people know what these names mean. So that's really what we want to talk about or what, you know, I guess what another objective of the project is, is, is history, preservation of history through an archives, a proposed archives, as well as preserving it and making this information available to all, all Manitobans as well as all Canadians so that this kind of history is recorded, it's there, and people become more educated because I think sometimes maybe the general perception is that people think that all First Nations people are one, one language group and that hopefully we can educate people and say, well, there's five different language groups. And then Val had said, well, okay, well, we sometimes we call uh, the Anishinaabe um, nation as Ojibwe, but now we know that uh, certain communities refer, I guess, to go to be referred as a Soto. So, you know, it's education in that sense. Um, so that's just a little bit about the history of it. Uh, now going back, the long answer <laughs> to your question, going back to some of the obstacles. Again, what Val had said was when we first started this project, why it's taken so long is we want to try and do the best job that we can. But along the way, 
um, some 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 of the um, um, well, what we encountered, I guess, was that some of the people are camera shy; they don't want to come on camera. Some of the people might say, "Okay, well, I'm not fluent enough in the language; I don't feel comfortable enough uh, to come on camera, or I don't feel like I'm, um, you know, old enough, or I no longer live in the community." So. Um, it, that those are some of the problems that we've encountered. So we try to develop when uh, when we're working on this. When me and Val say, "Okay, well, how can we overcome these uh, different not problems but obstacles that we face?" So what we're trying to do for this upcoming year um, is to have uh, interviews for the community histories project, where Val had indicated where we interview people and say, "Can you give us a little bit of history?" about your community and the objective there is to do 64 interviews and have them attached or inserted into this multimedia project so that people say okay well I want to know a little bit about the history of Prangasi okay well I know a little bit of what the name means but maybe I want to know a little bit more of what it is so then ideally that these interviews that Val has did then we can insert those into them and then ideally have you know a product at the end where uh, we have a multimedia project where we can have 64 interpretations of the traditional name and 64 history versions and then we can ideally expand um, expand the project so that it becomes like um, like a, an ongoing multimedia project so those were some of the obstacles. This is the goal that we have envisioned for it. And then again, just going back that, it, that we believe that it's a good education tool because I think somewhere along the way that a lot of these community histories might have been um, just at the local level, but they've never been introduced to the world. And that's what we're trying to do ideally with this project is to educate a lot of the people like a lot of people of what what the history of the community is what the name means uh, these are um, you know some of the major families again just going back to some of the questions that we just asked during our interview can you tell us why people have settled in this area what does the name mean um, what are some of the major families in the area because I think in um, in conversations if somebody tells you their surname you can generally get an idea of where they're from. So when I hear the name Kakagamic, I think, okay, well, that sounds like an Ontario name. And so then I think, okay, well, when I ask you, I say, well, Kim, where are you from? And you say, well, that's my married name. My husband's from here. And I say, okay, well, that's pretty good. I can get a general geographic area from it as well as, uh, like, you know, when Val's uh, name, Val Biggity, you get a general idea of where she's from. You know, my last name is Thomas. I don't know how I got like the history of the name Thomas, but it's interesting when you talk to other people and they can give you a little bit of history. Oh, did you know that Thomas name originates here? So it, it's really interesting and it's, it's really good. And I think all of us are all history. We enjoy history. And I think hope ideally through this project is that we're just trying to bring all of these historical facts into a project. And we enjoy doing it. Um, and maybe um, we could just talk a little bit, I guess, of uh, 
maybe I could ask Val to talk about of what we would like to like to do for this for this year in our work plan like in terms of designating uh, interviews in different uh, urban areas and some of the questions that we ask during these interviews. Because you, you are looking for people for yeah. phase three. So yeah, it, um, it talk a bit about what maybe people can expect or if they're interested or if they know someone who they think can contribute. Yes, if uh, anyone is interested, they can contact either Andy or myself. You could just call the Winnipeg office and they could transfer to one of us directly. Um, but yeah, we're, we, uh, for the communities that we want to interview, we made a little list of the communities we need to visit. And again, they're, they're uh, isolated. So we either have to travel, because we did try to contact these communities before, like trying, we usually call the school and ask for um, if they have a land-based teacher, because they usually know quite a bit, like all, this is a known fact that all land-based teachers know everything about the community. Cause <laughs> so we usually go to them first and then we, um, or elders, we prefer like elders, but for the community and everyone, anyone could learn that information. So we don't say necessarily an elder, we just say like, well, if you have an elder that has a lot of information because it's not like they um, go out and do the research, they've been there, so uh, we like to, speak to an elder a community member that just heard all the stories because there's always those community members that just know everything about the history because they just have that enthusiasm to just ask or sit sit with a bunch of elders and just listen or we go to the land base so we like to those are mostly our three but with the communities uh, we have to uh, we try to contact them but like us, we have we struggle to get there and they struggle to get out. And if they're teachers, they don't exactly have time to leave their teaching to come do an hour interview. Like it just doesn't make sense. So I think this year, this fiscal year, we're probably going to end up doing a lot of traveling. I'm thinking into these smaller communities, like we did, like I did to Pangasi, and it's worth it to go into the communities because then everyone, like I, I went to Pangasi, not, didn't have one interview schedule. And when I got there, I got there the night before and then first thing in the morning, I already had my five within a couple of hours, like oh. who I was going to interview. So I just started right away. But like, well, as soon as we get in there, I'm sure we'll find them, but to phone around, nobody will, that nobody will come forward. So that's why I guess one of the reasons we're here, like somebody will know somebody who would be very good to interview. So that's that's our goal, to find somebody who knows somebody. Yes. <laughs> who knows somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, who maybe has a family member or knows an elder who'd. Yeah, mm -hmm. and um, we go in, like we interview into people's homes as well, like because we know some some members don't like to leave their home. They're comfortable where they are or they can't. They can't leave their home, so we just brought, grab the camera equipment and just go set up, make sure there's there's a solid background, and then we just interview right in there. So yeah, we'll, we'll go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And I think before I forget, I wanna make sure we uh, provide information about where the print map and multimedia map at the moment is available and also your guys' contact information. 
So before we close things out or not, but yes, Andy, you can, or yeah. Uh, yeah, the mm -hmm. we have two maps, the traditional map and the treaty map, and they're both available at the Waverly office in Winnipeg. And uh, same thing, you can either call the office and ask for Andy or myself, or we can go on the shop website, but um, it is free for all First Nation communities for the like the schools to receive the map. So if they give us a call, yeah, so they can call the office. And then the USBs, we uh, we have um, some more. We, well, we have USBs in the office, and we can mail them out as well. We are going to be reordering those because those were like, I guess, a hot commodity. Oh, <laughs> great! They, great. They, they went really fast, and some people when. I was handing them out. They thought it was like a joke, and they like didn't believe that. You're like, you seriously have interviews of all the communities. I'm like, yes, on the, on here, on this little thing, you have all the communities. I'm like, yes. So they kind of find it hard to believe, and but they explain that no, all the communities are on there. And I just like I said, well, except for Pongasi, but now we could fix that. Now and you have it, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, so all of that could be picked up at Unit 2, 1100 Waverly. Or mailed out. Or mailed out, yeah, yeah we can mail yeah. them out. Wonderful. So Andy, how would you like to close things off? Well, um, again, I guess just maybe just to do a quick recap is that uh, we're currently working on what we call Phase 3, I guess. Uh, this one is the interviews for the history of the community, community histories version. We want to complete 64 interviews or as many as possible, in some cases maybe two or three interviews, ideally. But once we've accomplished 64 interviews, then we would like to attach those interviews into our current phase two of it. Well, I guess not to complicate things, but to make it a really good educational tool for people to go to this USB or whatever format it might evolve into uh, to understand what the community name means in the language, um, listen to the person pronounce the name, and then also understand a little bit of the community history of it. That's what we want to do. That's what we're trying to do to encourage people to, to come out and be part of this really good his history project. Um, it's not really phase four, but we've also envisioned creating a Manitoba First Nations archives. Uh, I just want to spend a couple of minutes on this, if I may. Mm -hmm. uh, what we've tried to do is uh, work towards the creation of an archives. Uh, like in the course of our work, when we were doing creation of videos, we'd go to, like, to the Manitoba archives to look for historical photos. In some cases, we couldn't find them. We did a call out to the communities. We were bombarded with historical photos. We said there's a lot of stuff out there in the community that people would hopefully uh, have an opportunity to showcase this kind of historical and archival material. So we're hoping that these community, this community histories project, this traditional First Nations map will kind of pave the way for having a place where people could come to and enjoy all of the First Nations history in Manitoba. Um, we can't really talk about it. Maybe we can do another session at a later point for promoting this First Nations archives, but I guess just to conclude, this is what we're hoping to do with this phase three is to invite people to come and participate in these interviews, 
Uh, maybe what we could do at a future point is have a write-up in the Arrow newsletter. Uh, maybe have some interview dates and locations posted on the website and invite people to come to become part of this historical project and to let other people know about the history of your community. Thank you. And actually, maybe if both of you could share one um, story or interesting fact that you've learned, or maybe that like the most interesting thing so far that you've learned about a Manitoba community that you didn't know before. I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to think about which interesting fact, because there's so many. There's so many, yeah. I'll share one. Um, I was always curious. Like, I don't speak the language. But I know um, when I was working in uh, different fields, there was always, uh, like, the PAW, a community in northern Manitoba was referred to as the PAW Indian Band, which later... Uh, evolved into the Opasquiac Cree Nation. And I always thought, I said, what does that name mean, Opasquiac? And that's what kind of motivated me. Well, not motivated me, but I mean, it kind of said, okay, well, now I have an opportunity to find out what that name means. And so we interviewed an elder, um, William Lathlin, very, very uh, nice, perfect gentleman, always prepared to participate in all of our history projects. So he explained to us, he said, this is what Opasquiac means in the name. And I won't say it on uh, through this interview because I would like you to go to the to map and find out. to find <laughs> out what it means. And it's really interesting. And that's how the name Opasquiac came into existence. And Opasquiac has now become part of the language. People say Opasquiac quite often when they refer to like uh, the community of, um, well, OCN. So it's really interesting. So that's what we were talking about is infusing the traditional names into the language. So go to the map and find out what it means. Yes, go to the map. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I know there was a lot of stories that uh, I really enjoyed listening to, but I can't really think of one because there, there have been so many. And every time we went to a different community, like and interviewed all these, like you could just sit there and just listen to them. And uh, when we do interview them, like some of them are like, "Well, I don't really know what to say." And okay, well, I'll answer these questions, and it'll probably only be like ten minutes. We're like, "That's okay, just." just talk and then as soon as we start asking them questions then it just kind of like opens up their mind or something because they end up speaking for an hour mm -hmm. and like wow. they and then when we're finished they're just they're just like I can't believe I remembered that like I I didn't remember that like all these years and then as I was talking it just it just came to me so like l hearing those kind of stories like it it's really nice to see them like just remember all these amazing things that as they're a child and traveling and like everything from because uh, most of the members we interview they're they're not that old like they're they're not 
well, I guess some people consider elders like the ones who have a lot of knowledge and, but these are just like, like elderly people. But so they seen a lot, like most of them, their communities didn't have hydro. They didn't have roads. Uh, the church wasn't quite there yet in their community. The schools were like this. Well, the schools, they didn't have schools. So they remember all this and just hearing all that information, it's, it's, it's really nice and very educational. Like uh, we learned, well, I learned, I can't speak on Andy's behalf, um, but I learned so much on this project and uh, it's funny because when I talk to my friends, like I always like, they say something and I'll correct them like, no. And I'll say something like, well, actually, <laughs> I'm like that because the, they're like, oh, yeah, that's where uh, Crees live up th over there. I'm like, well, actually, no, that's Diné land. <laughs> so they're like, OK, miss. Then they'll tease me about something. But it's like people aren't aware of like what Andy was saying earlier, like of all like there's five different language groups. Like I was one of them, like I I'm from OCN and really I thought it was just Cree everywhere. So I had me when I left the reserve the first time I was like, oh, Ojibwe's were the first ones. I was like, oh, there's Ojibwe's and then found out there's Dakotas and Diné and like there's the Island Lakes. So there's, there's a lot of languages out there and what Andy said, a lot of people just kind of group us all together and can't group us all together because we're not all the same. We're all different and we have different languages and we come from different parts of the Manitoba. And there's a lot of information from those language groups. But yeah, the, once the phase three goes on, well, I guess it would be once we get all the community histories into the USB, that'll be a lot of good information for all the communities. And that's what, um, most of the members I interview say like we need to teach these young children all this information because they don't know it. So they they're slowly teaching them, but they said they need to learn more about their their own community first. That was Andy Thomas and Val Biggity. Thank you so much for being on the show and thank you all for listening. We hope you will join us next month for another episode of Thunder Radio.